0: welcome to the hottest party on tv podcast i'm your host music writer and pop culture enthusiast jerome graham we've got a really fun show for you this week as my guest jennifer castiello verino has pretty much done it all she got her start as a club mtv dancer from 1987 to 1991 And not only that, she's part of the freestyle girl group Laissez-Faire, who had a pretty big hit on their hands with the song In Paradise during the second wave of the freestyle movement. When you get a sec, go look up the cover art for their album Hands Off. Look at all that hair. (laughs) When that chapter ended, she found herself dancing on shows like The Grind, Global Groove, Soul Train, Singled Out, the Super Bowl, you name it, Jennifer has probably been on it. She's very frank, a straight shooter, and she came prepared with notes. So be ready, there's a ton of great stories in this one from her many years in the entertainment world. And now she's working hard on making the world a better place. And she gets into all of that later in the episode. All right, so enough of me. Let's get into my chat with Jennifer. Jennifer, what's up? <laughs> How
1: are you? Good.
0: So nice to finally talk to you, Jerome.
1: Thank you so much for
0: calling. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about your time on Club, but also laissez-faire. Like, you've done a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> I know. It's, it's um, so funny because I've done so much. Um, I kind of had to, like make a couple of notes not to miss any of the cameo moments so it's very um funny that you should say that because i guess you don't really realize until you take inventory on a call like this like that's a 30-year what have you done lately call
0: yeah definitely so let's start at the beginning what years did you dance on club mtv
1: I danced on Club MTV from 1987
0: to 1991. Oh, wow, so pretty much the entire run almost.
1: Yes, because um, as we'll go into further, um, I had at that point gone on to uh, other opportunities. So um, I was uh, close to, but the funny part of our story is I continued to work for MTV till 2002. But I'll save that for later.
0: Oh, awesome. Okay. So how did you get on Club?
1: Well, I'm glad that you asked. Um, I was very uh, lucky to listen to TNT's interview. And um, so funny that I also grew up in that hip-hop era. So at that time, um, you were looking for any type of teen dance contest or... Basically, I grew up knowing that I wanted to sing and dance and was looking for any opportunity to do that at all, whether it be um, a contest or trying out for a school play or a variety show or even doing, I was doing shows at old folks' homes, you know, for older uh, seniors in the Girl Scouts, looking for any way that I could sing or dance in front of anyone because when I put that music on, I was just wanted to sing and dance. I mean, it was the era of the Jackson five, Donnie and Marie. I, I, my dream job would to be this, be the solid gold dancer doing that countdown on solid gold. I used to tune in and, and also watch, you know, as a teen, that dance party USA and think, wow, I could really do that. So, how it started is my dream to dance became how to get into a club in Manhattan to be able to, you know, dance the night away on the weekend. So I was lucky enough to score a job in Bloomingdale's, and a girl I, worked, I went to school with said to me, by the way, we go to the Palladium on Saturday nights. Would you like to go? And I said, well, I'm only, you know, 17. How am I going to get in the Palladium? She said, don't worry about it. Just, you know, we're going to take the train and, you know, tell your mom you're going to sleep at my house and we'll get there, but we have to take the last train out. It's imperative we get the last train. At the time, I had moved from the Bronx to Westchester County. Okay. So I get to the Palladium that, you know, whatever night it was. and, And it certainly wasn't like the lighting that Club MTV was filmed in. It was dark. They had the strobes. The music was electric. And I just remember her looking at me going, we have to go home. And I'm like, oh, no, like, this is the best. So I think that became the music and the call of Manhattan. It was the, the, the you know, Keith Haring years. It was um, Neon and Betsy Johnson and Wayne. You know, everything was extra in the 80s. That was our generation 60s, in my opinion. So the Palladium, to me, became... It was really the call of how I became on the show because we didn't have cable yet and the show was already in place a few years. So I'd have to watch Club MTV while I was at someone's house who wasn't in the area of the Bronx and Westchester who didn't even have cable yet, let alone social media.
0: Wow, okay.
1: So one day I stumbled upon the show and I saw the phone number After. And I thought, wow, that doesn't, the first thing I thought was, wow, that doesn't look like the Palladium as I've seen it. And so I called, and I don't remember, I know I was just about out of high school because my sister had to take me on the train for the audition, and it was at the Palladium, as was a lot of my fellow uh, uh, showmates I'm hearing. So I went down, and I think it was Wendy McSwain with Lonnie by her side. Now, I started my story by saying I had a part-time job at Bloomingdale's, mm-hmm. And that lent itself to Betsy Johnson before it was cool with Sex in the City, Norma Kamali. I had access to every label of clothing because I wasn't the prettiest girl. I wasn't the trained dancer. I wasn't the best singer. I was kind of a jack of all trades but had that gumption that that X factor that you needed. So I went down there with my purple blazer and they just had me come in and they hit literally a boombox. And I stood under a hi-hat. And I remember, you know, having all these routines in my head and it just, they went blank. And I think they gave me opposites tracked, which is not, you know, I was looking for like a KLF or, you know, know, 3AM Eternal or like, so they just kind of wham me with opposite track and I had this just great alcon on and, and then they stopped the music and I'm pretty sure it was Wendy and Lonnie and they said, "So can you start Monday?"
0: Oh wow.
1: And I ran out and my sister and I and it was like that um, wouldn't she get that dance? You know what? Before I knew it, I went from 23rd to 42nd, and I was like, my sister's name is Lisa. I'm like, I got it, I got it. And that was just, and then from that point on, my life became one of like the local, like a local celebrity because I had now attained that status of on MTV 43 times internationally per week you now became someone that's where my story starts where i now become really that level of oh that girl dances on club although i was not a primary i was not receiving fan mail i was not as beautiful as the models like jackie and you know some of our other stars um i was a little awkward at the time so that's why i think my story is a little different than a lot of the people that I've heard interview. I wasn't that classic beauty. At the t- I just had clothes to kill.
0: <laughs> you and, were and dressed experience. to impress, yeah.
1: <laughs> and like, you know, I, I could, if you needed a dancer to start at 7.30 in the morning, I was your girl.
0: Okay. So you were like a real go-getter then,
1: I was a real go-getter, like I just knew I wanted to be in the New York scene, singing and dancing in whatever capacity I could, and getting that street credit is what you had to do back then, and it wasn't until I got on Club MTV where I was really afforded all of the other opportunities that, and friends, who I still call friends, that bring me to the newer part of the chapter of my book, per se.
0: Okay. Okay. So, once you got on Club, how did you kind of navigate joining? Because the show had already been on for a little while, so.
1: Well, and I think that's where my story differs. Like, I was already, like, I was t- trying to be top of the B list. You okay. already had your primaries, they were already on tour. And my story ends with me being a primary, but it begins with me just being scared of everyone. Like, I just, you know, I remember Lucas walking on the set and me being like, oh my God, like, and he's like, hey, so I'm supposed to dance with you today. I'm like, oh my God, it's that guy, Lucas, you know, like, you know, you just had a little, you were such a fan and you knew that, you know, so much was on the line that we all shared the dressing room. You made sure you were packed, you were ready, you were on time and you had to be on a set and you picked your spot, but Wendy would move you. Wendy McSwain was, for most of my career, my casting director. So I was on time and early, and she'd be like, all right, Jen, we need you there. Today you're gonna dance with... um, You know And I heard a lot of the other interviews. Originally, you'd be cast for the partner, but by the end of the show, you could pick your own. I had a girl gang, you know, Jamie Hernandez, Vanessa, Melissa. We're like, oh, let's dance together. You know, there became the girl circle. Oh, and, nice. um, you know, we can I use your top? and. You know, by then you were lending, you know, your gear out to people and starting to have a social life with these people who are still very good friends of mine.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's been the coolest thing, I think, about hearing all of your different stories is how tight the friendships still are even now.
1: Yes, that's such a... And again, I don't want to rush ahead, but one of my... Two of my tightest friendships... Are a club uh, alma mater as well, Jeannie Hernandez Porter, um, who's still such a close friend, and Nico Kearns, who I actually met on some of my hybrid experience on the shows thereafter from uh, after, uh, you know, 91 when the story ends to, you know, my story going on, on to music to 2002 and to the other shows that MTV offered and being more of a staff dancer.
0: Okay. that decade. All right. So what was downtown Julie Brown like?
1: Well, I would say I was, I'm a person who's like always early on set. And I remember not wanting to be on her radar in any way at all. And that. I think to me, probably wasn't the greatest way. So I was so timid that when faced with Julie, I was like a deer in headlights. And I think that came out a lot. And her being the star of the show and having, and I've also heard a lot of dispara- you know, different opinions about what we got paid. And we, we, t- we taped eight shows one day and seven hopefully the next. And I want to believe we got $30 per day. Okay. So we got like a $60. DM. It wasn't 35 shows. So she was so busy. But if someone that was maybe noticed you that she didn't want to notice you that she had an interest in, you were just immediately, you know, annoying her per se. Like she was the star and that was it. Like, don't be. So I, I really stayed away from her. The one being a woman now of age, The the one incident I had with her, like, we were on camera, and I could have just used a 10-minute... I'm sorry, 10-second cue of, Rachel, and this is what we're going to do. But, you know, that's how they ran. Like, they just threw you up there. You didn't know what you're doing. And I just felt like my interaction with her was not the best. I wish it was better, um, like some of the other stories that I hear. Um, Mine was not. Mine was, you know kind of like just stay out of her way. And the one, the one interview that I noticed you put our interviews ahead, mine sounds tense, not to mention I just got a set of braces put in my mouth the week before. So that shows you like I was just such a young girl that at that time she was just so busy. I just, you know, would still feel like to this day if I saw her, I'd be her way. Oh, no. So my <laughs> experience with her was not warm and fuzzy, and I don't blame her for that. Being, you know, a star of a show where you're going through 15 looks, you're on cue cards and you're faced with children. I mean, there was 80 kids that were like, hey, Julie, how you doing? You know, like the woman was overwhelmed. And so I know that's a long-winded answer, but I just wish we would have had a better experience. But I, I think it's kind of good that I speak my truth and I will just say that mine was not the best. Okay. Okay. Get back and getting ready to get down now there's a lot of great dance music out there but here I am with Jennifer, she's all dressed up and ready to talk to us. What sort of song gets you moving? I'm over here Jennifer. <laughs> what sort of song gets you moving? Oh, I really like any kind of song that really gets me moving. I really like seeing some Music Factory and I really like Black Box. That really gets me moving. Well wow, Mr. DJ! I get... It just so happens we've got this clicked up. What a great VJ I am. Oh, we
0: got Black Box, let's strike it up. And my voice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that that's real, and that's honest, you know. I just everyone, want to be fair about it. Yeah, totally. No, everyone's going to have a different experience, so I, I appreciate you being candid about that, for sure.
1: Well, you know, like I said, arriving late, the A-list was already established, and with my later friends that I have established through our, you know, bar for years, it's very similar in the next the, the pro cheerleading dancers, like the Knicks and the Nets, you know, you might not be the coach's favorite, um, you know, in the dance world, you might not be the, um, the best, you might not be Tina Landon's favorite in the class, but you're still there to be there. So I was graced to be on the show, glad to be in her presence, but I was not, the, you know, the first on the game, nor did I have the beauty of the models or the dance experience behind me to note for her to notice me as a shining star at that point.
0: Okay. So on a bit of a lighter note, who were some of the favorite artists that you got to see while you were there?
1: Um, I would say being... Stones Throw from Boys to Men and Vogue um, while they were dressed in, you know, nothing but, you know, regular you know, basic black dresses before there was any money behind them. Seeing some of the acts in the Raw rehearse, Soundgarten, um, I even got to meet Donny Osmond. Like, you know, the story comes full circle. Of course, um, New Kids on the Block and Donnie and Mark, because that's the second chapter in what happens in my career at 91, uh, were a huge um, high point. Uh, later on in MTV, I met people like Tommy Lee. I danced for Billy Idol. Um, so I got to meet some great people um, through MTV. And I have to say, the boys to Men moment, and Vogue being a three-girl group, um, also coming through the ranks with other groups like uh, Michelle Visage comes from a three-girl group and getting to work with her um, was great. And even seeing, after I left, George Lamont, who's now you know, in the freestyle world with me, perform on MTV, I would say those were my favorites. Okay. Um, Definitely.
0: Nice. Yeah. You guys had like the, the best seat in the house, like seeing these artists come through and develop and kind of blossom out into the world. Yeah.
1: We certainly did. And it's funny because, you know, now I've shared shows with Lisa Lisa and I watched that, you know, she was a guest and like George was a guest. So it's funny that, you know, sometimes we grease the same stages or like I work with Rob base occasionally on the freestyle circuit. And, um, so that's really cool, but the, the, you know some of the biggest stars that I've worked with in my career, you know, are more on you know the Mark Anthony level, um, Pink. Um, which so, but if it wasn't for MTV, you know, I wouldn't have been able to work with those artists, you know, so on Pepper, and um, again, you know, we were chosen. My girl group, which was already in effect by the time I took the job on MTV, you know, basically Mark Wahlberg, I gave my C D to on the set and I said, Look, I need you to look out for my three girl group. You know, we have this this in paradise show. You know, this is here's my my at the time it was a <laughs> it was a cassette oh,
0: wow. And he
1: said, Well, you know, that's great, Jennifer, but you know, I, I need some more so so Donnie said, I need you to audition for Mark's background dancers. And I said, All right, I'll come for audition. So I was looking for my parents and you know, Donnie Wahlberg calls my house and I was out. My dad's like, yeah, you know, the guys from down the street called. I'm like, what? I was like, do you mean Donnie from New Kids? So he's like, yeah, I think that was his name. <laughs> oh my the guy God. from down the street. He's like, you know, I need you to come down for, you know, Mark's audition. So I'm like, come down to Mark's audition. And of course, all the beauties from Club MTV are there. They called us all. So you'd be on Club MTV, but, you know, you'd be it would be closed call. Like, do you want to be a fly girl? Like, there was people that came to those sets For us to get other jobs. Do you want to be on bar mitzvahs? There were people that were allowed on the set to call us to close castings, HBO. So I would get those calls. Like, I got a call for um, the Fly Girls, but I couldn't tumble. And then Mark called me to be his dancer. And I show up, and everybody was so much better than me. But guess what? I got to audition to 3LF. KLF 3AM Eternal. And I got to do my routine. No nice. so at the end, I said, you know, Mark, again, here's my cassette. Well, like two weeks later, I'm on a label and they're like, so Mark Wahlberg's people called and they want your group to open for Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. So that launched us in, you know, laissez-faire into having Mark Wahlberg asking us to be his opening act. You are- That's kind of cool. And then, you know, my singing career really started, started to take off when I had the street credit to audition for laissez Fair as not only a great singer, but as a great dancer who already was viewed on television this many times a week. So that kind of launched me into my record contracts, which by the time I was 21, I would say I had three offers, three different labels.
0: Wow, okay. And you guys were on Metropolitan?
1: Right, we were on Metropolitan. um, At that time, KTU was the the, um, major radio label. So that's when my Club MTV story kind of ends in 91, where I get the call, finally, to be the backup on one of these tours. And I finally become, and I get the fashion show lead. And I'm the one in, like, I finally become... The primary in 91, and I have to leave because Lazy Faire is erupting. So I did. The story is good. Like, I do get all the asks. I am the lead in the fashion show by Edward Morgan, and I do get the call, like, Jennifer, we want you to do the Miami tour. Can you do it? And my label's like, no way. You're booked. You know, so that's where my, my story with goes into the freestyle part. And MTV takes a back seat for about two years and then comes back.
0: Okay. So let's, yeah, let's focus on laissez-faire. So how did that come to be?
1: Well, laissez-faire started, again, um, I keep saying street credit because you, you had to earn your points back then. You there, were, there wasn't all these outlets like American Idol where you could, win. I mean, in a sense, um, I would say MTV was the American Idol. Like, you called, you waited, you got your number, you waited in line, you know, we had that full-out audition process, whether it was for HBO or Playboy or anybody. You went through that process. So same with, with laissez Fair. but I was a local singer, and this is producer said, hey, I know a label, and they're looking to cast this three-girl group. They had a very moment of success, but it didn't go well, and they have a record, And they need three people to pull it out. So they said, the producer, who was a friend of my sister's, again, she's in the story, said, you know, do you know anybody? And I think he pulled somebody together and he knew another girl. And they pulled us all together again. And I remember they said, all right, you know, come, you have to audition as a trio. So I got my 8th Street, you know, went down to 8th Street, got my motorcycle jacket and my my combat boots. And, you know, my cowboy boots with the tips put on, and I brought my best game. And we did, like, the two-step, you know, you know all the three-girl groups. So <laughs> yeah. I was after, in the three-girl group, I was after Expose, um, after the Cover Girls, after uh, Sweet Sensation. We're on, the, again, um, uh, my story is always like I'm the last leg of everything. <laughs> we're on the second leg of the three-girl groups. The three-girl groups were hot, and they were hot for one, so... Um, you know, all of my accomplishments bring me to my laissez faire story. So then I, bec- I leave the show voluntarily and I'm getting some great calls. Like, finally, those calls I wanted. Like, Julie and I were probably gonna go out to lunch by then. Oh, you know, wow. like, so um, it's sad that I walked away from the show and then heard it was kind of over. But, you know, I, I was, you know, we took a six, six city tour with Mark and then Mark Anthony was with us. Um, India was with us Salt and Pepper was with us it was that year it was that hip hop and then this freestyle thing coming out of the Bronx coming out of you know that inner market Judy Torres um, but on the same note I was sharing a limo with um, some, some pop stars like Kid and Play they, they were doing shows with us and we were going to McDonald's drive through with like Kid and Play You know, in California, we were doing shows with, um, with, with salt and pepper in Arizona. So we got flown to all these great places and it was cool. And at the same time I was going to form university in the Bronx. So I was like missing school, you know, I'm like all of like 20, I'm not even legal to drink at that time. It was, you know, I was just on a, on a whirlwind of this opportunity, so much so where I was, like, coming home saying, I'm going to quit school. And my parents were like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I had very conservative parents, much like Ebby and Christina. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that I was doing, you know. And my father, you know, when Cable came out, you know, he wasn't really a big fan of you being underclothed, being with a male partner on television for your entire family when you're, you know that was very frowned on in, in that time, at that point. It wasn't a celebrated, even though, you know, this was the time when like the Madonna book was coming out. There was other things, you know, it was the AIDS, was, you know, we were doing AIDS dance-a-thons. I mean, the 80s in New York was just a time of, I'm so glad that I was had the chance to live. It was electric, and the music was all over the place and fantastic, and then came the C&C era, which I was lucky enough to Meet David Cole, which was, you know, another highlight in my life, I would say. One of the biggest highlights of my life. Uh, So that was really, you know, the era. So Freestyle was born of that, but then, like MTV, suffered a demise when KTU was really dropped and Hot 97 went primarily urban. And then MTV dropped the dance shows and went more to the urban the urban style. So now I'm out of like all kinds of jobs at this point, you yeah. know, lazy fare, freestyle had gone either. You had to move to California or be out. And my, my life was very New York at the time. And I just wasn't, I had so many other things going on. I mean, I hear a lot of the other dancers start, you know, their stories about the bar mitzvahs. Well, I had started a full service, female owned mobile party, DJ, female MC business by then, I had started MCing as a female for um, different sports arenas, especially the New Jersey um, arena, the Meadowlands. I had moved on to, you know, all these other things, you know, doing preseason work for the New Jersey Devils. I had moved on and I just didn't want to go move to another state for freestyle at that point. I kind of wanted sense. to stick it out.
0: Right. Yeah, that timing. So when everything changes – that's maybe, like, not long after the Laissez-faire album comes out.
1: Right, so Laissez-faire in Paradise came out and became number one in New York, which is so funny, in September of 91. So that's exactly it's so, the timing, just how you know, life is so weird. And at that point, like, TNT were helping us with background dancing. Lucas Prada was dancing for George. So now I'm starting to see these people. And... um so, after that, you know, everything kind of takes off, and laissez-faire went on till about 96. I think that's even generous. I would say 93, but um, again, I keep using Lucas because we've run into each other a lot on the circuit. He laughs like, Jennifer, how many comebacks are you going to make? Are you on six or eight? You know, <laughs> laissez-faire, it's, it's like the mob... Uh, Godfather, every time I try to come out, they pull me back in. (laughs) Every five years, like we just did a show in 2018. So it's hysterical that freestyle fans do not let go. And so I am married to this freestyle current, this music that fans won't let us forget. It's kind of like something else, kind of like Club M T V Like, there's just <laughs> something about that era. It's our 60s. It'll never go away. And so I, my last live performance as a female MC in the freestyle origin, as, you know, just myself, and, we, you know, dancing around a little bit, that would be in the fall of this year, I did um, a local Westchester event, you know, like, it was like my COVID coming out party so to speak so I do MC and and I learned you know doing those bar mitzvahs that we all I mean back in the day they used to send limousines for us What what frustrate me is they always put men on the microphone and I'm like you know what I sing and I sound better on that mic than that game show guy so give me the microphone and Sharky who you haven't interviewed yet trained me on the microphone he taught me a lot about stage presence taught me a lot about my worth, and I sold myself as something different. You could have a female running your daughter's party. And that lent itself to me, you know, opening the years after to, you know, being very successful in business. And thank goodness I never quit Fordham because all that education, plus all of learning the music business and learning that $30 (sighs) – $30 for a full day's work and a t-shirt is not necessarily (laughs) what you pay people for a full day's work, Uh, but, you know, we loved it, and I think a lot about MTV, the things I don't hear about, is every six weeks, you could get cut. You were not necessarily called back. I survived that callback for four years, and not only that, but I went on to do the grind, global groove, 70s of the 70s. Um, New Year's Eve specials, the VMAs, the movie awards, um, and even got asked to do, through MTV's casting directors, Super Bowl shows, Soul Train. Um, I did 70s of the 70s. I did um, that show with Jenny McCarthy, the dating show.
0: Oh, Singled Out, yeah. Oh, I
1: did Singled Out, that tape's at Webster Hall. I also did a Halloween special with um, Metallica. I did New Year's Eve with the Pussycat Dolls. So I threw all my network of dancing and staying in that New York scene and all of the talent that came through that bar mitzvah circuit. I mean, we weren't doing regular people's parties. We were doing Howard Stern's parties, the head of Revlon's parties. This wasn't the bar mitzvah of today. This was the day where I did a party with Cool and the Gang was the band. It wasn't, this wasn't, you know, today's time where you have a DJ and oh, you're lucky if you have some conga. It was, you know, and, and still, um, I don't want to do any advertisement for anybody who'll do his own, but some of the parties now, like Nicki Minaj is hired. So, you know, the social machine, you know, where where I, what I defined it as, people in New York hired us to bring the fire to their personal parties because they they didn't know how to bring that energy. They needed party people help. And what other fireballs to call than me, TNT, Sharky, Lucas, and then you put us collectively on your dance floor? Like, wow, what an explosion. Oh. And that is what some people are still employed doing that yeah. you're going to speak to.
0: Yeah, Where I bowed out me. of that.
1: my I closed my own company, Exquisite Entertainment, Um, You know, I think when I got married, I decided that, you know, I wanted my weekends for the first time in 30 years. I wanted to live a normal life where I work nine to five and on the weekend, um, I just have a normal life, volunteering with the guiding eyes for the blind raising dogs, well, socializing puppies.
0: Yeah, that's a, a very different lifestyle. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, I think the lifestyle that I had, you know, working... To that pace. I mean, I was doing five gigs a weekend at one point, and I was making more than my household by like 19 years old. So that you know, maintaining that pace throughout my whole life has been a tremendous um, goal, but pressure. So my goals as a child was to be on club and TV, you know, to have a nice car, to own a home, and to hear myself on the radio. And I've accomplished, and, and, and marry a great guy, and I've done all those things. And that's what's just so amazing. And to have the friendships I have, and you know the alma maters on Club, are Jeannie and um, Sharky, but my life through the grind, and being asked to come as a guest, and Global Groove, I have friendships of, of Nico and Nelson. And, and, and other great people came through that. I mean, if you look at Danielle, who was a primary on the grind, she is a huge choreographer for shows like Saturday Night Live and Lip Sync Battle. I mean, some of the people that I've rubbed elbows with, if you look at, um, there's another, um, Anderson, he's on an, another show. Um, you know, this is just, it's so funny to see a lot of the contemporaries that we've rubbed elbows with on TV. I mean, I was lucky enough through Laissez-faire, to watch Diane Warren and Celine Dion work out a song at a Sony party while LL Cool J and I talked about Chicken Wings with my bandmate. I mean, the moments I had in time, I just wish as a young girl I had the wherewithal, and they say hindsight is twenty twenty. just to stay a little longer, to take a few more deep breaths, and just realize that it wasn't going to be... You know, you weren't going to have all those, that fabulousness for the rest of your life. And now my life is about finding more fabulousness in the quiet, the quiet times of life. Whereas, you know, I used to see Mark Wahlberg in 2002 and go, hey, Mark, what are you doing? It's trying Lazy Fair. He's like, oh, God, you're still working with that, you know, these casual. But back then, you know, you're kicking yourself like, wow, cell phones were just about out. yet. like, why didn't I get Mark's cell? It's just funny. The things that you kick yourself about. But um, it's also some of my uh, other preview interviews, TNT did not mention of all their lovely um, appearances that they did background dance for (laughs) 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 Laissez-faire. And, you know, Lucas, um, I see a lot because he was working with George and then working with Trilogy. What about Darren Henson? Um, what a career. He was another great choreographer. Oh yeah. That um, graced our presence our presence and all of the work he did, hit me baby one more time. So I became, you know, a dance crazed, song crazed part of this culture where I got to be on set with Tina Landon, as I think I mentioned before. I got to work with Janet Jackson's choreographers and attend their dance classes through people I met. I just had all these brushes with with all of this talent. Um, there were some not so great moments. I mean, there was a couple of artists that weren't great to me. Um, that you know you would think you know looking back, but you remember they're young too, and they're put on MTV set, which is you know a hundred people, and you're all live, and there's just so much pressure. I mean, you have seven cameras, you have cameras, and your job is to get the best shot. I mean, you ought to be the best dancer because. If you weren't the prettiest, when they stopped, you know, your unbelievable or suicide blondes, you weren't getting that shot like the other people. Like if, you know, the hot blondes got that, you know, suicide blonde shot, but you ought to be the best dancer to get a shot on your own, on your own outfit. And Richard Blair, shout out to Rich, <laughs> my partner. We used to turn it out. And John Adler, shout out to John. John and I went to Fordham together. And when my parents would let me take my car down, he would drive me to set every single time, and we would blast Depeche Mode. So it was just, it was a time, it was just the best time ever, just like I hear everybody else saying, and I don't want to be a cliche. And, um, you know, my story is still a great one. I still get asked to do a lot of things. It's just that, like I said, when you spend 25 years of your life not attending family parties and doing everybody else's special events. you just kind of want to start your own and just settle in and and that's what I do now and I have a wonderful corporate job. I'm very, very successful. I'm a successful boss B. I will <laughs> say in New York City um, we just moved to Times Square, but we I was lucky enough to have an office on Broadway. so I always think that's funny because, You know, everybody wants to work on Broadway. (laughs) And um, I tried out for a few Broadway shows, but I wasn't that type, so I didn't really get any roles. But, you know, I tried out for a few things, and then there was a few things put on my plate. So, you know, now I live more of a corporate lifestyle where I work during the day. And um, the one thing I did leave out was after I did leave the spotlight, I started from doing bar mitzvahs I got approached by a very um, high-level art school in Katona, New York, and they said, will you be interested in teaching hip-hop? And I said, well, I don't really know. I'm not trained. I grew up in the hip-hop era. And they said, well, we need someone to translate a message to young girls, especially, that's positive and without obscenities and in a clean portrayal, and we would make that your responsibility. And, um, and it's funny because with laissez Fair, Maria Torres was our choreographer and she did, I think she did In the Heights, she did the Gloria Estefan play and a whole bunch of other stuff. She is very, very, she did Vanessa, the movie with uh, Vanessa Williams, Can We Dance? And Maria always taught Laissez-faire that you always dance a certain way. You're, we're ladies in the way that we dance and certain pieces of choreography. Um, and I just say I'll wrap it up in saying we weren't twerking. That's a good way to put it, right?
0: <laughs> right. So I, think, right. <laughs> so I got
1: approached on an actual social party, and and commanded a job for ten years in Katona, New York, and one of the best Westchester neighborhoods, teaching up to ten classes a week of just kids from four to sixteen, and I put on many uh, many a recital. And we did great routines, and I would have all of my DJ friends that I've met through late like, fair edit out the bad words, and we would do kind of like kids pop, but with the original version. So you would just hear like, like if there was like a curse. <laughs> but you know, with my musical background, I you know I was able to count out all the ins and the outs, and you know to, with my choreography, the way I you know taught myself to be a choreographer, and it really turned out well. I taught um, Sean Connery's granddaughter, as in 007, and a relative of Lenny Kravitz. So I had some of the best students and families embrace me. And what, you know, I grew up as thinking, you know, I'm not the best, I'm not the prettiest. Yet they embraced me into the community. And I was a a really well-loved hip-hop teacher and trusted with, you know, 36 kids a week. Until I got so busy in my corporate life that I could no longer afford to do that on my evenings right. so now i just you know kind of dip into the, the yoga and really pour myself into how i could be a mentor to young girls in other ways and animals you know working with um the guiding eyes for the blind. i've i do have um a retinal eye issue so i was always attracted to the cause of seeing eye dogs and i've never had a dog i always lived in an apartment so now, um, it's
0: funny, now I've had 25 puppies, which is... Don't ever tell your kids
1: not to have a dog, because look what... <laughs> 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 noted, dog-o-dog. yeah,
0: noted. <laughs> yes, let your kid have the dog. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, one thing you mentioned I wanted to go back to um, was the grind. I've I've interviewed a lot of people who were mainly on club and... Mm-hmm. They tend to not have the nicest things to say about The Grind. Um, right. But I wanted to get your experience, like, on the differences between the two shows.
1: Oh, well, I'll be really frank. As if, if, and I hear when people say, I'll be honest, because that would imply that you weren't honest. I'll be frank. So the reason I got to The Grind was... I had met a lot of the dancers through Wendy. Wendy was doing gigs, you know, helping us get money to pay our apartment bills. And and thank you, Wendy, for all the opportunities. And I remember saying, you know, Wendy, you know, I just got an apartment. I need a little more work. And she's like, Jennifer, unfortunately, if you're not on the grind, I can't give you more work because most of the people want the grind dancers now. So that was my pure motivation was monetary. Because I, I had just bought my first apartment and my, my little Acura that was getting me to all these gigs. And, and yeah, I was a little, like, FOMO jealous. They were all beautiful, but a different beautiful. Like, we were, like, you know, A Street motorcycle jacket, secret Madonna bracelets But they were, like, denim skirts and curls and just a halter. There was no – there wasn't all that – like throw up, like neon, you know what I mean? <laughs> it became right. a little simple. Their host was the unbelievably alluring Eric Neese, which was so different than Julie. I mean, you went to the polar opposite. He dated Pam Anderson for a long time. I mean, he dated the most beautiful women in the world. So, you know, now you go to a male host. So it was so different. So I was lucky enough to have met, and I, I, I'm going to let him know that he has to listen to this, this wonderful guy who we were partners a lot on the bar mitzvahs, Nelson. And we all carpooled. So like David Rice and Janelle and I did gigs. David Rice slept at my house probably more than my current husband. Like David Rice, you know, we would all, you know, hang out together and he had to get some one gig. So Nelson said, hey, I need a partner on the grind. I could take you with me. I said, wow, that would be great. You know, I really appreciated that. I didn't audition. I was a guest. And I want to be clear about that. I don't want to insult any of the people who really vied for that job and that were asked like a very good friend of mine, Nico, who was called and asked to do that. And how I met them was I was at a v- VMA, the one where um, Priscilla Presley and Michael Jackson awkwardly kissed.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. So the grind
1: was on one side of the pit and Club MTV was on the other. So I go to the bathroom and I had already watched the grind. And sure enough, one girl that I just was kind of a fan of, like... Like, just as I was a fan of, like, let's say, you know, the, the someone on Club MTV, she has to, like, use something of, hey, do you have a Q-tip or something? I'm like, hi, I'm Jen. I'm on the club. She's like, hi, I'm Nico. I'm on the grind. Well, one of my best friends to this day. So I, was, I said, oh, my God, I just saw your episode. You know, I'm going to be a guest of Nelson's, and you were so great. You know, you introduced, I'm going to age myself, you introduced the Cotton Eye Gel. She's like, yeah, you know, she had the braids, she was gorgeous. The next thing I know, we're on a bus to Boston, we're doing a bar mitzvah together. Like, we were, it was like a big salad and, like, we were all in it. So, like, you know, you might, like, be in the sectional salad for one show, but the next weekend, you see these same people again. And then, if you're cool and not an egomaniac, they're like, hey, you know, that's a great outfit and you dance great and I love your energy you want to come down to the set with me. So I go down to the set, I meet the new casting directors, Rob and Benny. And then they're like, hey, you know, you wanna do Global Groove? And hey, you wanna do the Super Bowl? Here's the gig on the Super Bowl. I got asked to do the Super Bowl. You have to get yourself there. Same with Soul Train. So now it's like, now you're into, you know, we're getting, let me get my years correct. You know, I'm getting to the end of, we're getting to the millennium. Like right around here at the tower, and I'm gonna. My husband is um, FDNY 911 and worked. So when I say like before the towers fell, it's kind of a big thing in our household. Right, it was right. definitely before the towers fell. Okay. So um, I was already now, I had two new casting directors, and they were just like, call me for all these things. Like, hey, you know, can you get yourself to the city? And it was really fun. And you'd, do, you'd, you'd film New Year's Eve, but it wasn't New Year's Eve. Like, all those things were not live, which was fun. You know, I was like, oh, you know, i am going to... And you were with... Then you get on set, who are you with? You're with the Nick City dancers. You're with the Nets dancers. You're with the background dancer for the hottest, for Mary J. Blige. You, you just were cast into... You know, your backstage, sync is walking by. Shakira is walking by. You know, we we're loading in, and I'm passing Janet Jackson's seat. I see Jennifer Lopez as Stone's throwaway. And it was just, you were in this era of greatness. So I just kept myself in that, I think, as long as I could. And then 2001, I think Lazy Fair makes another comeback. (laughs) (laughs) Lazy Fair makes another comeback. And then, God, I I mean, from 2001, I think I was dormant until KTU comes back. Do you remember that? Well, you may not because I know you're not from or primarily. So let me get to, let's get... Fast forward, let's go on our time machine. So, you know, (laughs) disco's dead, as they say, right? You know, freestyle's dead. We go to hip-hop. I don't speak Spanish, so I can't record freestyle music like Mark Anthony can. La India, they started doing Spanish stuff that took off, like, wildfire. Um, A lot of those acts, you know, we were the Italian ones, and really that was... So, I think at that point, you know, I went into, like I said, I went into that teaching dance thing, mobile DJ company, buying my own home in New York as a single owner buyer. I borrowed, you know, a lot of money from the loan crisis and, you know, just made it work, and I just worked. But um, I always joke, like, I think the whole success of my MTV career was I was able to get those outfits and return them and sport Betsy Johnson before, you know, I was like, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker on the scene with Betsy before she was, you know? (laughs) You took those tags in, you know, and even all your photo shoots were hysterical. I did a couple of calendars. I mean, it was great. I went into fitness a little bit. So I think I, I took everything that you could do with that and I lived my life to the fullest. The one thing that I did not have the wonderful opportunity of doing is I don't have any children. So, do I regret that? Eh, not really. When I see how much all of my friends, <laughs> that's my joke, like, do I regret it when I see that they don't appreciate you? Oh, sometimes <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> but I do use my mothering energy and other ways to mentor young women in my community um, who I think, you know, I have a lot of friends that um, their mothers just aren't supportive of some of their decisions, and I'll say no more. I think we could, you know, fill in the blanks. Right. And I choose to be a mother to those whose family maybe have said, you know what, your way isn't our way. So I have a lot of mother love, and in, in the words of Oprah, although I don't have any children, I have mothered many. I had 400 girls go through my um, dance program, and some, one of a few are now men, um, and I'm proud to say that I'm there for them. And I'm proud to say that I now socialize dogs to become future guide dogs, teach them positive reinforcement and confidence, and that the people that I surround myself with uplift me. Um, and I just look for those really quiet, happy moments. And that sounds corny, but I'm going to just say that when I was 19, a sunset didn't turn me on. You know, I needed to get to the Palladium to see a strobe light. But now a beautiful sunset and a quiet moment is just something that is like, oh, wow, that's, that's where God is. And that's where I think it's different for me now. What the chapters that I have next in my life, I started guitar. It didn't go well. I also write music. I would love to um, write again and um, maybe, maybe on my own do a few more remakes that I've always wanted to do, which I'm not going to mention because <laughs> – you know, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But I would like to do, I'm not done yet. But I think the things that I'm proudest of are the things that don't pay and the things that um, you don't do for thank you. And that's where I think my life as adulting, <clears throat> from where I came at as a kid, is, you know, look at me, I'm just as good as that, and notice me, and I'm going to work harder and dance harder. Where now it's just, you know hearing a song that you like on the radio, it doesn't have to be your own, which by the way, hashtag Studio 54 in paradise, (laughs) laissez-faire.
0: We're still on
1: (laughs) this day, thank you. Thank you, Serious. Like it doesn't have to be my song. I mean, I still get giddy when I hear myself in the car and I'm alone. It's very weird. Because you have nobody to tell but yourself. That's weird. You're just like a big nerd in the car. You're like, oh, it's me. That's the weirdest thing, but I enjoy like, rocking out to like Shaka Khan, who I was lucky enough to emcee an after party for her in Atlantic City. You know, that's just those little tiny moments. And I think that if you keep looking for the big wow in your life, besides TNT being the mayor in the next county up, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like in all these bragging rights I have of knowing all of my people that I get to see on TV and and all of the great people, even if they're great moms. And, you know, I think it's the lesson learned is, you know, where do you come back from, from that? Like, where do you come back from all that greatness? Like how does normal become fulfilling? And um, I'm really proud to say my, my mother always said I had one foot on the ground the whole time. And, you know, what goes up comes down. And you see the same people coming up as coming down and, you know, that's kind of where my story
0: ends but begins oh that's a great way of putting it yeah you sort of grind and hustle for so long but now it's more about feeding your soul more than anything else so that's awesome to hear thank you and
1: i'm happily married i just celebrated um my 10-year anniversary oh congrats Um, honey do you want to say hi You want to say hi just say hi. hi hi my husband's on a snow day today and i i have to say i married a man who's a lazy fair fan oh, that nice. does rhyme because um i before him dated a guy who didn't know the song last night a dj saved my life and we immediately had to break up last night a dj saved my life last night a dj saved my life from a broken heart last night a dj
0: saved my life Last night, DJ saved my life with song. Oh no, yeah, that's a no-no. So, <laughs>
1: my husband is a rock drummer and we hope to do, um, you know, like a couple of Stevie Nicks jams together, like we have dreams of doing like some folky music together, but it's really cool because I could say to him something like, oh, did you hear that beat on the scat on the three, on the three and the eight? And he's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like to be able to speak this language of music to someone or to be in the home and know that we need a particular music played for to get us through the stressful evening that we had, you know, had, that's really cool. I I think like Belle and John's song, like I married a music man and I'm glad I did. I don't know how I could have ever married. I'm in law now. I don't know how I could have married like a lawyer that wasn't into music at all.
0: Right, right. Which might've been the trajectory
1: of my life, but it is not. (laughs)
0: I married a Guido, just like me. Oh, nice. (laughs) Okay, I just have a couple questions to wrap things up. This was a lot of fun. Um, So MTV, they're kind of leaning into nostalgia with their Paramount Plus shows, like Real World Reunions and all of that. If they were to do a reunion show for Club MTV, would you do it?
1: Uh, yes, I would, and I auditioned for the first Real World, so I would like to get Tammy out of there and take my part back <laughs> because they were going to put laissez Fair, and they interviewed um, me for the first Re- Real World, which I noticed Tammy got the musical spot, I believe. So I would like to see that, and I am just call me. I am ready, willing, and yoga in shape, and I got I got those retro moves down. I want to see possibly TNC again. Dance—that's what I'd like to see. So yes, I'm a fan in all those bringing them back. I think that um, Club MTV, everything '90s is back again. So I mean, the Jack Martins to—I I would be such a fan. And I think it would be cool to maybe interject some of our interviews. But I also did '70s, the '70s with Denny Perio, and that another life dream. I mean, wow. to meet Denny Perio—that's
0: huge. <laughs>
1: oh, it was just. Again, you were just, so of course, I would love to see all those moments. And um you know, it was just fantastic. It was a fantastic time, and and I, I hope that in present days that um and and again, the boundaries, it sounds corny, but there, there weren't any boundaries. there was like no prejudice. We just all loved each other, and it was just we were all it, it was like you found your tribe. If you have to if you have to one of my catchphrases, if you pick one. When you got with MTV and our crew, you found your people. It didn't matter if you look like them. It didn't matter. The pretty, beautiful people were welcoming. Like the, the, the A team was like, oh, you know, come and share, share a screen with me. You found your people, and we stuck together. And, and, and I still do. Some of them were, were guests at my wedding
0: wow. and, and will
1: be guests in my home.
0: Oh, that's awesome. As well
1: as you're invited. Come on down. Still in here.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: We got a room for you. Come on down.
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so what do you think is the legacy of Club MTV? Oh,
1: that's a tough question. Well, it's a, t- it's a time capsule in time. Um. And the legacy of it should just be a time where things were simpler and there was unity regardless of what you look like, regardless of your orientation. Um, and we were our tribe. And there was charity and love. And even though there might have been a, a, a small bit of, of envy, and when I say that, there was a hand up for people to help each other. Like, hey, you know... The A's helped the B's, and and that would be a better time, a better time. And for our generation, it's it was our 60s, and it'll for always be a perfect time. I wish we could go back, but we can't. Like I said, I wish I could stay a little longer in that time.
0: Right, right.
1: And blow all those Dance Party USA people right off the spot. I wish we could have went on there and blew them up <laughs> blew that show. I think I would... That show, you know, I was like, I could do that, and and that's why we got on. So, and thank you for keeping it alive. A special thanks for you, uh, you know, to you. I've had such pleasure going back and hearing some of the things. Like you know, we made a few hundred. Some of the things that we there's three things you need to get corrected. How many shows we did? What we got paid? And I think the time of day we started, there's a few discrepancies. So I'm going to close with saying it was was an 8, 7, 15 shows. You got the call every six weeks to come back or not. Okay. And then you came back two weeks later. $30 a day times two and a t-shirt and craft services. You got free lunch. And that was it.
0: There you go. You're setting the record straight. it yeah,
1: wasn't several hundred dollars because I'm in labor and employment with Veritex Court Reporting Services now, and certainly I remember my numbers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so now we've got that clear. Uh, I've got one last question. This one's a tough one. Okay. What was your favorite song to dance to on Club MTV? So I'm going to
1: shout out to my... Flavillus, C&C see see Anything, still to this day, glad to call my Facebook friends, and definitely C&C Music, uh, you know, Everybody Dance Now, that iconic, you know, I mean, now isn't it the progressive commercial, and they're doing it with tubas, and, you know, ka-ching, you get paid when your song gets that way, which somebody called Paradise Island for In Paradise or the Bahamas. But definitely, CNC Music Factory still gets me riled up today. Glad to have graced some stages with the artists that perform that music and have met the late Mr. Cole and have Mr. Clavillis on my page. So definitely, CNC Music Factory still gets me riled up.
0: And many thanks again to Jennifer for coming on the podcast. She's awesome. That was easily one of the most fun interviews I've done for the podcast so far. If you want to keep up with all of the wonderful things Jen is doing, give her a follow on Instagram at jcv1031. That link will be in the show notes. Be sure to stream Laissez-faire's album on your streaming service of choice. And follow them on Instagram and Facebook, too. Those links will also be in the show notes. And don't forget to check out Club MTV fan page on YouTube, where we currently have over 16,000 subscribers and tons of fun clips and full episodes of Club MTV up there for your enjoyment. Next week, you'll get to hear my interview with one of the early star dancers of Club MTV, Jocelyn Druyan. She was there from the very beginning, so she's got an interesting perspective. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> but now let's close this out with a bit of CNC Music Factory and gonna make you sweat. Be good to one another out there.